The following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Comey Snake. Welcome back to Escape from New York Minute, where we celebrate and analyze the dystopian classic one minute at a time. I'm Eric Deutsch. And I'm Molly Balin. And joining us this week in prison, a writer of geek culture, technology, and many, many other things, Carol Pinchevsky. Hello. Welcome to prison. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the new black. <laughs> so Carol will be with us here all week. Uh, we're starting out this week with minute forty-nine, which begins with Maggie asking Snake why, and ends with Maggie, Snake, and Cabby walking through a hallway. And the first thing I want to call out in this minute is. When Maggie asks Snake why, it, it's, it's because Cabby says, has said to Maggie that Snake wants to meet Brain, and Maggie says why. And Snake, before he gets around to his answer, he takes his time. He does this little pause, and then he swaggers over, and then he says one of my favorite lines from the movie, as I alluded to last week, I want to meet the Duke. But he takes <laughs> seven seconds to do it, and for a guy who's got, like, at this point, what, I don't know, 17, 18 hours to live? Those seven <laughs> seconds are very precious. He should not be taking the time to swagger before saying, I want to be No, but he really does swagger. I mean, oh, my God. <laughs> but, I, but I particularly like Maggie's reaction to that. I mean, he's, he smiles and checks her out. She smiles and checks him out. And, you know, she, she knows a hustler when she sees one. <laughs> mm, yes. Yes, she does. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, intense looks, like a la the Twilight movie, silent. But, you know, if this was a English-dubbed Chinese martial arts movie, <laughs> <laughs> you could totally hear them, like, stopping and meditating and taking a moment. And just, like, having the dialogue in their own heads, like, right. sizing each other up. I like this. I like, I mean, even though he really doesn't have the time, I appreciate a man <laughs> who just looks death in the face and doesn't give a shit and will swagger anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is, he is all swagger. But you know what I liked? I also liked her matching his swagger. Mm. And, and this moment for me tells me that she's in prison for a reason. <laughs> You know, she she doesn't look like some innocent naif who was at the wrong place at the wrong time. I mean, she looks like a woman who's been around the block and she 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 knows a con man because she probably is some sort of con person herself. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She, this this is uh, I think we, we mentioned I think it was last week that. As as the main uh, female character in the movie, this is not some damsel in distress here. This is someone who can kick ass. This is someone who has kicked ass. And you're right, Carol. She is here for a reason. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know what it is. Right. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm I'm just wondering what it could have been that that brought Maggie down. Mm. Like wonder wonder what it could have been. But it, she 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 did some wrong somewhere so i'm um, probably you know probably some sort of major theft 
you don't, you don't go to that particular prison for petty crime. I think only the hardened criminals go there. Or, well, do, do you know the rules for that? Like, what kind of prisoners went to Manhattan? Yeah, the, the, the world that has been set up is basically this is the prison for the entire country at this point. Oh. And so it's pretty much anyone convicted of just about anything, that's where they're going because there are no more jails anywhere. Oh, so it's like Australia. <laughs> <laughs> So okay, well then, no, I got the feeling that hers was a more serious crime than. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I she she's not there for shoplifting a pack of gum. Right, right. I mean, I don't know if she went, you know, full on, you know, serial killing, but I, uh, you know, if she killed the guy, it's probably to defend herself. Right, and they got railroaded into prison. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But uh. Yeah, I, I liked that moment, you know, the, the many, many seconds of, well, eyeball um, um, intercourse. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's interesting because in the script, uh, after they enter and they're walking in the hall later on in this minute, the script actually says she looks him over and she's clearly attracted to him. Mm. Mm. And it's interesting that that was put in the script because other than this look right here, which isn't really a I'm attracted to you look, it's more of a like a hmm, okay. You don't really get that in the way they film the scene and as they're walking through the hall. Yeah, I've never gotten a vibe from Maggie that she's like, oh, I'd hit that. Right. You know? <laughs> I, I got more of a she's sizing him up. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, because if she's a dangerous person, that's how she would treat people. She sized, she would size them up. Mm-hmm. But Absolutely. No, no I, I got the feeling that, you know, she, they would do it if it suited them. <laughs> there was yeah. a for if it. only they had another uh, 12 to 19 minutes. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get to the moment where she opens the door and lets him in? Yeah. Or are we? Are we still? No. Go ahead. Because I have to say, I kind of squealed the moment she turned around because there's this large white clip, clippy thing in her hair. I am so glad you're mentioning this because I was going to ask you, what the hell is that? What is in her hair? The eighties. The eighties. That's what it was. (laughs) The maiden scrunchie. (laughs) No, I'm because I am old, I remember those things. That you had to puff your hair out as big as possible and then you clip it in with a strange little clip thing in the middle of your head. I don't know why, but I I saw it on the streets. It was a thing. Huh. Yeah. Oh man, banana clips were huge. It was like, it was epic. And you know, I have really thick hair and they never worked for me. It just sucked. Cause like I, I could never find one that had the, the powerful jaws to like, you know, take the bun. But uh, yeah, it's, yeah, I, the clips were a huge thing. I have the opposite problem. My hair is so thin that the clips would just fall right out. It right out of my hair, so so they they never worked for me either. <laughs> so I, was, I could never succeed the eighties. <laughs> so you had to have like a perm, and then you had to have product, and I never quite 
perfected that either because like my hair ended up really like legit looking like Maggie's when I was about nine years old. <laughs> so yeah, for reals because of the texture of my hair and like my family didn't believe in hair product for whatever reason. It was not a part of their religion. And so if I would have had some product, I totally could have like sorted that shit out and it never happened for me. So. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, oh man, just the, a failed attempt. But anyway, yes, that <laughs> looks like. I couldn't tell if it was like a feathery kind of thing. I know. That's why I, I, I'm shocked because I, I honestly could not figure out what it was. That's why I, I was going to ask you both if you knew what it was. I, 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 and even now that you've told me it's a hair clip, I still can't tell what it is. But, I, but it probably was a feather because the one clip that I could keep in my hair had feathers on it. Ah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. My one clip was a feather clip. It's <laughs> just hanging in her hair, though. I mean, I don't even know what it's doing. And the clip I had just kind of hung there. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there we go. The, the good news is you can kind of explain that away with, it was the 80s. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, that is true, yes. But she's got like a Stevie Nicks kind of vibe to her. Mm. Yep. Oh, Stevie Nicks is much more Earth Mother, hippie child. True, no, like this bitch has got a shiv, like stuff somewhere. So like, yeah, so it's... <laughs> <laughs> she's not she's not quite of the white witch variety of of dear stevie nicks but yeah i'm, I'm um, thinking more maybe the the sisters from heart the wilson sisters. oh, oh yes wilson and nancy wilson <laughs> and you know of the two of them i always thought that Anne could could cut a bitch so yeah. <laughs> oh, for real yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want to meet those ladies in a dark alley. Those <laughs> ladies would do so good in Manhattan prison. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> they would be ruling. <laughs> they would totally would. Duke. <laughs> <laughs> the heart duchesses. You don't mess with the heart duchesses of uh, Bay Ridge. <laughs> how amazing their music would be. <laughs> oh my god, the albums. Can you imagine? Yeah. That would be some shit to try and get across town for. So Sorry. good. They'd, ha- uh-huh. they'd, ha- they'd have a gun that when they shoot and say, here's the Barracuda. and just. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. That would be like your exotic weapon quest if this was a video game and you had to go get get their weapon. That yeah. they, that's that's the mission that they give you is to go get the Barracuda gun. <laughs> so, uh, and then after, um, but after Maggie turns around, uh, something else I noticed. Um, Cabby kind of looks around furtively, <laughs> like he doesn't want to be seen with them. What, what do you think that was about? Because I don't know. Well, he does in a future minute. He does end up abandoning them when the Duke shows up. Right. So I'm wondering if he just, he doesn't want to be seen doing anything that could even be remotely considered furtive or something that clearly must be important. Snake Plissken's a big deal. Everyone knows who he is. Oh, I don't want the Duke seeing me with Snake Plissken and not telling the Duke that I'm, I'm here with Snake Plissken. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just, he doesn't want anyone to see him there, I guess. Yeah, that's, I, I, I think, uh, I guess maybe he's not as innocent as, uh, as we thought he was. Mm. <laughs> yeah, he, he might be the only one who smiles and is happy in this movie, but uh, <laughs> he's still there. He's still in the prison. 
while we're talking about Cabby, Carol, you actually let's let's talk about Ernest Borgnine. Um, our guest last week, our producer Brad, specifically wanted to be on for a week that showcased Ernest Borgnine, and and you asked for the same thing. So uh, why why is that what you asked for? I love Ernest Borgnine. <laughs> I just love him. I love him. Did you ever see Marty? He was great in Marty. He won an. I think he won an Oscar for that. Did. I I never seen it, but yeah, I know I know he. You've the never seen it? Oh my God, what a good movie! Yeah, yeah, it was very, it was very nineteen fifties, and in that slightly embittered way, it's about um kind of a a schlubby guy who um has a crush on a I think she's a librarian or she she's just this mousy girl and and nobody likes her because she's not hot and he's not hot either, but his friends are harassing him for, you know, having a crush on the mousy chick mm. and it takes place in this really blue collar neighborhood. And, and it's a really hard film to watch, especially as well, a mousy girl. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I just loved it. He was so wonderful and, and heartfelt. I loved that movie. And so, you know, seeing him, in Escape from New York when I was a kid, I thought, wait a minute, I know that guy. <laughs> hmm. hadn't, and I didn't connect it for years, years and years and years. Marty would have been, what, about 20 years before this movie? Oh, no, um, 59, I think, so 30. Well, this movie was made in 80, came out in 81. Oh, right, 81, that's yeah. right. Sorry, not late 80, so 20, 20 something, yeah. Okay, hmm. so huh. yeah, I mean, to keep, I mean, he looks he he looks a lot older in this movie, I think, than he actually was. I think we talked about this when we first mentioned him. He's not nearly as old as he looks in this movie. Yeah, it's funny you should say that because, um, well, Harry Dean Stanton is coming up. Yes, right. So yeah, I I just love Ernest Borgnine, and seeing him in this movie really um really made it even more special because mm. I I've always liked this film, but you know, great casting, just great casting. And a line he has in this minute, speaking of the 80s, a line straight out of the 80s, he tells Snake uh, that Maggie is brain's squeeze. Uh, There's an old word for you. When is the last time someone called someone their squeeze? Um, Yeah, the 50s. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the 60s. But uh, um, before that, uh, they walk down the stairs. They, you know... Maggie opens the door, they walk in and they walk down a staircase. And that for me was the, the true story of, of this is actually not New York city. Cause I, I wasn't sure if this had been filmed in New York or not, because there's enough neoclassical architecture, ruined neoclassical architecture for me to think like this could have been New York in 1981, but libraries don't go downstairs. Subways go downstairs, but not libraries. And you're seeing some, some great libraries. And I was just also thinking of the location from uh, the World Trade Center, the you know, late lamented World Trade Center. Um, there's a police department on 240 Center Street, or rather the former police department of 240 Center Street, that looks shockingly like the exterior of this, this library, this quote-unquote library. But um, uh, so I just thought, like, oh, that's... You know, where am I? Where am I? Because as a New Yorker, I was looking for familiarity yep, and, yep. and found it and then was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. The only uh, 
there are only two shots in this entire movie that actually were filmed in New York. One of them was way back at the beginning, the pan, of course, of the Statue of Liberty. Right. And there's one other shot later on in the movie we haven't gotten to yet, and that's it. Really? Uh, yeah, wow. this, this scene, the exterior is a building in St. Louis, and the interiors of this library actually were filmed at USC um, uh, in, in a couple of different libraries on the USC campus. Whoa, that's great. That's some, that's some great uh, location scouting. Yeah. I'm actually thinking about libraries and the use of libraries in movies, and I mean, you know, to me... The ones in my fan that stick out are this movie and, of course, the opening scene of Ghostbusters. Right. <laughs> oh, sure. Such a, a classic scene. And then as a big Seinfeld fan, there's a whole episode uh, with Mr. Bookman that a lot of that takes place in the library. I love that one, too. Those are specific to supposed to be New York public libraries. Right, right. And then uh, you know, there's a couple of other scenes in, in other libraries that, as I was thinking about it, that stood out. Uh, there's a great scene in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh-huh. You know, trying to break right. into the crypt, and the old right. guy thinks his stamp is making the loud noise. That's a good <laughs> scene. Uh, there's a oh, Venice. Oh, Venice. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. There's an 80s movie called Suspect with Dennis Quaid and Cher. Um, and Cher is a lawyer, and Dennis Quaid is on the jury, and they start illegally collaborating to, to, to get a conviction. And there's just this scene that I always really liked where they're both in the law library researching stuff for the case and the judge happens to show up and they have to figure out a way for the judge to not see them together because obviously they would both be in a lot of shit. And it's just a nice tense scene as they walk around and the judge is, is, is looking at them. I, I, I know this, I'm not hitting you this off the top of your head. Any, any library movie or TV scenes that immediately come to mind for either one of you? Mm, well, obviously Ghostbusters. I think of Sex in the City, the movie, because they get married in a New York library. Right. Or like, well, they almost get married in a New York library. It's probably more accurate to right. say they're supposed to get married. Right. Right. And that was the scene where somebody hands uh, Carrie, I think Samantha hands Carrie her iPhone and she's, I don't know how to use this. Yes. Because iPhones were, were quite new at the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no, I, I don't have any library scenes that come to mind. Um, you know, but I, I spent most of my childhood and young adulthood in libraries. So <laughs> they're all. All right. So the Carol Pinchevsky story. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a TV show. I don't know. Have you guys seen a discovery of witches? No, it is based upon a book series, but I'm gosh, I want to say at least half of it takes place in a library. And I think they're on Oxford campus. Right. Wow. Yeah. So for listeners, if you can find that, it's it's wonderful. It's it's a guilty pleasure. Oh, that's great. No, no yeah. pleasures are guilty pleasures. <laughs> witches and vampires. Oh my god. <laughs> How that's that's not guilty pleasure. That's pleasure. <laughs> yeah. No, it's Buffy it's the quite vampire delightful. Buffy, <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, good one. Yeah. Of what? course. Tons of library scenes. Absolutely tons. And the funny thing is, I think when they moved to um, the magic store, known as the magic box, I think that was the same set. I'm pretty sure that was the same set. 
Hmm. way it was filmed. I think the library set had been struck and that set replaced it. Can't, can't prove it, but if you, if you look at it carefully, you might agree or might not. I wanted to do some research about that. Yeah. I just thought of a horrible movie with the, uh, uh, with the library scene in it. Uh, the Day After Tomorrow. When oh. When New York City is freezing and they're all uh, huddling in the fire and the librarian refuses to let them burn books for fire because they're old, important books. Uh-huh. And, and he won't let them burn the books to stay warm. And then the frost is chasing Jake Gyllenhaal down a hallway. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God, that movie sucks. <laughs> you know, that was around the time where I said, you know, I don't need to see every science fiction <laughs> film that comes out. <laughs> that was around that time in my life where I said, you know, I... And it's got, oh, my God, it has Ian Holm in it. Ugh, and I love Ian Holm. Should I watch it? Is it worth it? No. No? <laughs> it really is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Oh, it's my so- goodness. Hey, speaking, <laughs> of science, speaking of science fiction, something I'm, I'm – one of the main reasons I'm, I'm excited to have you on this week is because uh, you've written so much um, – in the science fiction world in your career, we've had an ongoing debate that we've been asking most of our guests this question. John Carpenter referred to this movie as science fiction. And I don't agree with that. I've settled on the phrase dystopian speculative fiction. So far, only one guest has agreed with me. Every other guest has said, yes, they do think it's science fiction. What's, what's your take? No, it's dystopian. It's dystopian fiction. It's not science fiction. Where's the science? Right. Oh wow! <laughs> Worthy. The- <laughs> only one other person agrees. Wow. Yeah, and it and it's our our voiceless producer Brad when he was a guest last week. He's just, <laughs> so now I've got two in a row after no one yet. No, 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 no. I mean, I there aren't even elements of science. I mean, the only science is maybe no. I oh yeah. <laughs> Sorry, there is one scientific element. That makes it science fiction. Holy crap. It's the um, pellets in his neck that decay at a specific rate and then are neutralized by radioactivity. That's a science fiction element. And in fact, I was wondering about all the cancer he would be getting. (laughs) Mm. Well, he can worry about that in 20 years, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But that was my concern. But yes, sorry. (laughs) There is a science fiction element. So... I would say that part of it has, there is a science fiction element, but it is mostly dystopian. Yeah. So I now, I now modify my statement. All right. So uh, yeah, with an asterisk, I guess. Right. Yes. I, I consider this dystopian. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of the other piece of science. There is one other piece of science, but um, we would be getting that to that <laughs> in the next minute. <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually, okay. No, there are two other pieces of science. Okay, I can now. Okay, I'm, I'm losing Molly. I'm losing Carol from my I side will, by the second here. I will argue. I will argue a science point in a. In a <laughs> I will argue a science point in the next minute. All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, the only other thing I have for this minute is Molly. We've got number three on our countdown here. Our third person saying the famous line from this movie: "I heard you were dead." And it's mighty casual at that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why did she, if, 
do they have old information in prison? <laughs> or was it, or was I don't it, think they have any information in prison. Or was it a government <laughs> conspiracy to make everyone think he was dead? Yeah, you know, it's one of those great, it's what, you know, uh, we talked a lot about in this movie, a lot of the stuff just goes unexplained. And you kind of don't care that it goes unexplained. We've all, Bali and I and a lot of our guests have been throwing out theories on like why people would all think he was dead, heard you were dead. And it, you know, it's fun to, to talk about that. But at the same time, the movie works great not knowing. It's just kind of this funny through line that everyone thinks he's dead, you know? Yeah, I loved that. But yeah. it, it did <laughs> it did lead me to ask the question, why did she open the door to a dead man? <laughs> <laughs> if she thought he was dead, why? Why would she do that? I mean, I well, like to think that thieves have a lot of myths and legends about themselves, you know, and that kind of like folk hero sort of sense. So I like to think that there's probably a lot of disinformation. I mean, everybody has a nickname here, and we're going to hear an especially amazing nickname <laughs> next minute. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, um, I will. I, that's one of the two points I wanted to touch on But um, before we, we closed out this minute. But the first point I wanted to touch on is she's carrying a torch. It's a library. Books are flammable. <laughs> Why? Why does she have a torch? Why? and and you know that but it's it's the nickname thing brain snake cabbie duke but maggie has a first name Mm. what's up with that why do women have the first name there was a tv show in 1978 to 1981 called blake seven a british science fiction show which i absolutely loved completely ahead of its time and only one man a coward named Villa was had a first name. Everyone else, the women used first names and the men had their last names used. Mm. So what the hell is up with that? And well, what it, do, it does go along with uh, when, when we were in the chock full of nuts scene that that character is identified has, first of all, has no name in the movie there. Is she, the character actually had a name in the script, but it's not named in the movie. And in the credits, though, it says girl and chock full of nuts. It's not even woman and chock full of nuts. So right. <laughs> there's definitely that, you know, this movie's definitely got some of that early 80s mis- movie misogyny that was so prevalent. Right, right. But but what should Maggie's nickname be? Should it be bodyguard or comfort woman? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she was, she's his squeeze. The, you know, the Duke gave brain her as a present (laughs) which by the way when you think about it is actually the best case scenario yeah i mean the people that are actually hanging and running with the duke as we'll see later their lives aren't so great she's got Um, it made brains in brain's place yeah yeah i mean it really she's she's got a place she's only got one guy to contend with you know (laughs) i i think actually her being, you know, the the comfort woman is 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 the best she could hope for in that time and place. Yeah, the other two women in this movie was girl in chock full of nuts who who gets <laughs> dragged down into the floor and killed and possibly cannibalized. Probably cannibalized. Ninety five percent passed out, drugged up, possibly dead woman who's being raped at the in the uh, Broadway theater. Right, right. Oh my God, those are the only two women. 
wow, wow, this does not pass the Bechdel test. <laughs> no, no, it does not. No. I guess one other point is that, you know, uh, when Cabby praises Brain, he says the Duke loves him. And I, I think love is a bit of a strong word, <laughs> don't you think? Yeah, the, Duke, the Duke keeps him alive because he has need for him. That exactly. <laughs> I, I think that should be. Or, or is that love? <laughs> <laughs> it's the Duke's version of love. <laughs> so as yeah. we're sitting here talking, I'm seeing something here that I have never noticed before, even when I was preparing for this minute. Are, is there a very old-timey car in the library? Like, near the end of the minute, after Maggie comes to the bottom of the stairs, and as they then start walking together, is that like a rusted 1925 car? I couldn't figure out if that was a cart that had been put up at its side, like kind of like a rickshaw, uh, or yeah. if that actually was a vehicle. Maybe it's a rickshaw. I guess it could be. It's hard to tell because the lighting's dim and it's all rusted. Mm-hmm. I oh, or like a dune buggy, maybe? I, I didn't know. I was too busy paying attention to the, the hair clip. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe Maggie's nickname would be Quaff. <laughs> Quaff. <laughs> Perfect. No, you're right. It's some kind of a vehicle. Because, like, as they're walking, it's not up on a... It's not up like I thought it was. It's it's actually on all wheels. And it almost looks like there's some sort of a covering. Yeah. What the hell's that doing downstairs inside a library? Well, what the hell is a library doing downstairs at all? The... the <laughs> The grand libraries of, of New York City, like the Morgan Library Museum and the Science Industry and Business Library, they all have these grand entrances, these grand neoclassical entrances. Oh, well. <laughs> you know, I, I will say that I like that there's a medieval quality about this. And I don't know, I, I after I, and I talked about this a few minutes, or not, yeah, a few minutes ago, uh, back, but talking about how I had read something online about... Uh, snake looking kind of like a Lancelot and there's something medieval about her with the torch even though Carol I totally appreciate the fact that that's really not healthy not only in terms of oxygen and smoke <laughs> and then just the general flammable aspects because we're going to see in a minute that there's also a lot of flammable that they're sitting on um, yeah. so we'll see that for a second but yeah that there are these cobwebs you know, the archways, you know, even though this is tile, kind of reminds me of stone a little bit. So it has this kind of castle feel to me, this medieval quest theme going. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of dig that about this. I, I, When you put it that way, yeah, that, that is kind of nifty. It, uh, torches shouldn't really be used like that, but yes. <laughs> no, they should not. That is not the best use of that tool. <laughs> <laughs> Carol, if somebody wants to find you on the interwebs, read your writing, where can they find you? I'm on the Twitters at <laughs> Pinchevsky, Carol, C-A-R-O-L, Pinchevsky, pin like the needle, chef like the cook, sky like the thing above you, Pinchevsky. And my website is carolpinchevsky.com. Well, thank you. And thank you for joining us for Minute 49. As Eric was saying, Carol's going to be with us all this week. You can follow us on Twitter at NYMinutePod. Um, we also have a nifty Facebook group called Brains Library. Oh, my God. And that's where we are. The Escape from New York Minute Hangout. 
Um, I also just wanted to give a little gratitude shout out to KJ Valencic, who did our music. And we are very, very grateful because it fits oh so well. And with that, be on time, stay out of the sewers, and we'll meet you on the other side of the wall. <laughs>